Welcome to Live Well, Be Well with your host, Sarah Ann Macklin. If I can just ask one thing to my new or old listeners, please hit the subscribe button and also share this podcast with friends. It means more than you realise. It was a light bulb moment for me because I didn't change anything else in my diet and I actually stopped obviously taking the painkillers and the information which was taking the edge off the pain. From that moment on, I was able to get back to the level that I needed to be at in terms of training, games. That was simply through nutrition and everything up until that point I had been told wasn't possible, now was possible. Simply through nutrition and a change in what I consumed on a consistent basis. In today's episode, we explore just how far nutrition can go in its healing power. The food we eat isn't always the magic bullet, but equally, not eating correctly to feed your body can amount to destructive effects. And let's be honest, where we currently are in society, we see just how this is happening. Thomas Howe Robson Canyu was signed as a professional football player from the age of 15, playing at premiership level and internationally for Wales. Yet his story from 15 onwards wasn't always plain sailing into his football career. He battled with continuous injuries whilst he watched other players his age progress. After two years of being in and out of hospital battling these serious injuries and dead-end roads with getting better, he and his father decided to tackle it themselves through the power of food after hearing defeating words from a surgeon that he would never play again without significant pain or restriction. As a nutritionist, I am forever amazed to hear the lack of awareness around nutrition in the elite sporting world. Nutrition is one of the main foundations and pillars of performance. And there were moments in this conversation which made me realize how little knowledge and support there is to the elite sports. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. It's one where I resonated a lot with how impactful nutrition can be, but I really hope that you gain from this the power that it can unlock for you in all different aspects of your life, whether you're an elite sportsman or not. It really does harness just how powerful nutrition can be. Thomas, welcome to Live Well, Be Well. Thank you for coming on. How are you? Very good, Sarah. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be on the show. I am so excited. We've got so much to talk about from Turmeric & Co., your kind of route to finding nutrition in your previous football career. So first of all, just to give everybody a bit of a run through about your career, because you played for one of the biggest premiership football teams within the UK, and you've had an incredible high performance career within football, which has now led to your interest in nutrition. So can you give everyone a bit of a background about how did you become to be one of the biggest players for a premiership team? Premier League, it's the creme de la creme, obviously, in terms of football. But I was fortunate enough to have played a number of years in the Premier League for West Bromwich Albion and Reading Football Club, and also internationally for Wales. The journey started as a kid, literally five, six years of age, really running around the playing pitch in you know, my school, primary school with my brother outside the house. Again, I would never let my children run, run around as I did as a kid, but I just remember playing with the ball and I just loved everything around football and around the sport. And I had a real passion for it. I was obviously gifted in inverted commas. Well, actually all that meant was that I just played a lot and I trained a lot, but I did it because I loved doing it. And mm. so, yeah, it was around 10 years old where I then got scouted for Arsenal, which How? is... Uh, just playing Sunday League. Okay. So I was playing Sunday League. I think I'd scored like 90 goals that season, you know, in like 30 games. Wow. You're only a kid. It's kids mm. football. But one of the scouts obviously identified it, went on trial to Arsenal. And the academy manager at the time was Liam Brady, who is an actual legend of football, uh, famous Arsenal player, Irish player. And he was academy manager. And he said, yep, yeah, we want to we bring you on board. So signed for Arsenal as a 10-year-old. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible because when you go from playing Sunday League to then playing for one of the biggest teams in the academy football, you turn up and 
everything's there for you. Brand new footballs, every game, the pitches are immaculate, your kit's washed for you, everything, you know, you're treated like a, you know, young prince and it, it's a great privilege, but it also comes with a lot of pressure. Mm. And so all of a sudden, you know, you go from six years old to 10 years old, just loving and playing football. And then all of a sudden, 10 years old, it's like, okay, well, now you're going to have a review every two years. And if you're good, you'll stay on. If your performance dips, you're probably not going to stay on. So it's a completely different dynamic, but again, really passionate about football. So loved it and ended up staying there for five years from 10 to 15. And at 15, I was really small. So I hadn't gone through any form of growth spur. I was probably, you know, half a foot smaller than everyone else in the team. But technically, you know, with the football, I was good. You know, mm. I had all of the attributes to, to be a footballer. And the academy manager, Liam Brady, at the time said, look, you know, we don't know if you're going to be big enough to play at the top level. So actually, we think maybe if you want to speak to other clubs, because obviously here, this is the, the top of the top. And so other clubs, you might have a route to having a career. Um, so if you want to speak to them, you can. That's interesting. I never knew that height was a thing with a footballer. Yeah, height, physicality. I was very thin, what you'd call scrawny. And so football is extremely competitive and physically you have to be extremely strong and you don't have to look strong. You just have to be strong. But this was, you know, we're talking, you know, 20 odd years ago mm. now and the perception has changed, but mm. that was an Im immediate impression. Okay, that kid's too small. He's not going to be able to become a professional footballer. So it was my first sort of setback in a way where it was like, okay, well, maybe someone doesn't believe in me or maybe I'm not going to achieve what I wanted to achieve. But we began speaking to other clubs. So the likes of Crystal Palace, Fulham Football Club, Reading Football Club all came in and said, look, we'd like to take you on board and we'd like to give you, you know, a two, three year contract into scholarship and then into professional football, which sort of takes you from 15 up to 18, 19, where you want to then be breaking into the first team. And it was the Reading Academy manager at the time, Brendan Rodgers, who is now manager of Leicester City Football Club, but formerly managed Liverpool Football Club. He was academy manager at Reading and he came to my house, took myself and my family to Reading Football Club, to the stadium and said, look, there's a route here into professional football. And we believe that you can have a career here, but also, you know, be one of the key players over the next five, 10 years for the club. And so he sold everything to me and, and we were like, yep, this is a great opportunity, you know, to, to actually have a career or an opportunity to have a career in football is amazing. And so up until that point, I probably saw 50 to 60 players come and go who all had the same dream to become a professional footballer. And they were either told they weren't good enough or they ended up not believing that they were good enough. So they had to fall away. And so all of a sudden you're conditioning yourself. It's like, you know, it's like, wow, this is almost like survival of the fittest. You know, mm -hmm. you have to be the best you have to be. And that's how you're conditioned because of the sport. It's about winning, isn't it? It's so competitive and that's what comes with it. So yeah, made the decision to move to Reading. And at 15, I was still at school in London but I was traveling three days a week after school up to Reading training. And they were really keen for me to break into the first team early. They wanted me to be one of the youngest players to have ever played for Reading. So at 15, I was playing reserve team football, which mm -hmm. is one step away from the first team. And that's essentially playing with men. So, you know, full grown men. And I was 15, still hadn't really grown. You hadn't gone through the growth spurt. So I was competing with these men in games, but I was doing well and they were really positive. The manager at the time, Steve Koppel, was watching me and saying, okay, in the next 12 months, we want to give him his debut. And so I remember playing against uh, Milton Keynes in a reserve team game at 15 and was doing really well. They had a massive centre-half who was probably like six foot six and I was probably, you know, five foot eight at the time. And this centre-half just decided I'm going to wipe this player out. He's annoying me. So the next time a challenge came, he came in with a challenge. His foot was knee high and he ended up snapping my knee in half. And so my knee literally ruptured, every ligament in my knee ruptured. That moment changed my life forever because what had happened was I had ruptured my cruciate knee ligament. I'd ruptured my anterior, posterior, my medial, damaged my cartilage in my knee. And so it was from that point there where I was thinking, okay, I'll, maybe I'll be out for a week or 10 days. The swelling was immense. 
I ended up having to go see a specialist on the Monday morning, had an MRI scan on my knee, had never even seen an MRI machine before in my life. You know, massive chamber. Quite terrifying. It's quite terrifying. Yeah. Okay, what's... And the surgeon or the doctor, who was also a surgeon, they obviously knew it was coming, sat me down and said, look, you've ruptured your ligaments in your knee. You're going to need surgery. And it's unlikely that you're going to come back. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He was like, well, only 40% of people who have this surgery actually continue to play professional sports. So I was like, okay, wow. And I was like, well, how long am I going to be out for? Two, three, four weeks after the surgery? And he said, no, 12 months. So it was like, boom. And that, and that was, a, again, you know, another massive setback where you're thinking, wow, how am I actually going to achieve what I wanted to achieve? Mm. Especially from 10 years to 15, your whole life has been, this is the next big thing for you. And you're putting all of your energy into that. That's the other part. Yeah. Yeah. Massively so. And so it was at a point where I was like, okay, well, I just have to do what I have to do. I'm going to have to, you know, dawned, you know, realization, okay, out for 12 months, have to have this surgery, had the surgery, have to go through the rehabilitation. And so these are formative years of a professional footballer's career or a young professional footballer's career. You should be, you know, learning your trade, building your skill set, understanding what it takes to play at the highest level. And so I missed that for a whole 12 months. I ended up coming back 12 months later and began training and playing again. And it was actually my second game back where on this occasion, it was just an unfortunate collision, but I ended up rupturing exactly the same ligament again in my knee. The same leg. The same leg. And I remember, you know, absolutely, you know, massive. It just ballooned up like a balloon as soon as the collision happened. And I sort of had in the back of my mind sort of what that meant. And, and it was sort of like, surely not, surely not again. And ended up then going to see the specialist who was in Windsor, same surgeon, same MRI scan, sat down again in the same room 12 months later. And he said, you've re-ruptured your cruciate ligament. You're going to need now a revision surgery and you're probably never going to play without pain or restriction again. And I was, you know, determined as a kid, just generally, you know, I wanted to become a professional athlete, professional footballer, but it probably didn't dawn on me what he was saying. And it was actually a few years later where after that meeting, I left the room. My dad was obviously in the room and the surgeon said to my dad, look, he needs to look at different career paths. He's, there's no way he's actually going to play at the level that he wanted to play and actually be able to compete because physically he's just going to be restricted. And so, as I said, you know, being quite determined, I went through the same surgery, same rehabilitation, 12 month period. I mean, obviously resilience is such a key part of all of this, but that does come to a point where you actually can't be as resilient as you want to be because your whole world, your whole dreams is kind of falling Mm -hmm. apart in front of your eyes and especially starting at Arsenal and having this big dream of where your career could go and all these promises, which I think I've seen from a different industry, if you're going to be the next big thing to maybe you won't, that's a lot to take. How did you deal with that second injury from the first injury of knowing, well, this could be it? Mm-hmm. You know, resilience is, it's an interesting concept because it's like, okay, well, resilient, resilient against adversity, of course, but actually it was more of a case of, I was just so determined. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a case of, yep, it happened. And I was then, you know, running around and happy and joyous. There were tears, there was doubt, there was uncertainty. You know, I remember lots of nights going to sleep, thinking to myself, there's actually no way I can get back from this. You know, so it wasn't a case of like, oh yeah, I just knew, knew, knew. But every time when I would have those thoughts or have those experiences or emotions, I would always reset myself and be like, well, no, I know what I want to achieve and there must be a route to getting there. So again, I think it just comes back to being really determined, but that then comes back to having a really strong purpose Mm. and a really strong vision. And Mm. my vision was to play in the Premier League, to become a professional footballer. So I always realigned with that vision Mm. in the face of that adversity. So I remember after the second surgery, I'd had it and two weeks, you know, your knee is, you know, it's experienced a lot of trauma because they're, you know, they have to drill into your knee and, you know, sort of move hamstring tendons and move the tendon into the actual center of the knee and then tie a loop to replace your 
anterior cruciate ligament. It's it's a fascinating surgery, but it's obviously very traumatic on the knee. Mm. And following that, after the second surgery, I remember the actual wound getting infected. So not only had I gone through two surgeries, the wound in the knee was then infected for a period of like 10 days. I remember going on antibiotics and all of this stuff. And, you know, it was really gruesome. Like there was pus coming out of the wounds. And to have that, I remember one night just literally crying just because it was like, how can this be happening? Like, mm. it's just... And at this point as well, just to say, you're probably watching all the people that you started with progressing further and further and further. And you feel like you're taking steps back which is yeah. so difficult and also for so frustrating yeah yeah precisely and I remember at the time you know a lot of the players who you know I was competing with not only in the team but also in other clubs mm. they began you know sort of playing in the first team you know getting recognition I remember one player who was same age as me ended up moving making a move move for like 10 million pounds at sort of 16 years of age mm. and it was almost like well these are my peers who I'm actually you know I feel I could be better than them or I am better than them, but I just don't have the opportunity. So mm. two years, essentially 24 months, it was that period from 15 to 17, where obviously I went through those two surgeries, went through the two rehabilitations. And the second time round, I began playing and training again, 10, 11 months after that second surgery. And everything that the surgeon said was spot on. Like mm. I would wake up in the morning and my knee would just be, I couldn't actually get any flexion, any movement in it, but I was meant to be training that day. I'd go into training, literally after 20 minutes, I'd have to stop. The pain, the inflammation, the swelling, the restriction in my knee was just so severe. So it got to a point where I then had to speak to the physios and to the doctors at the club and say, look, like I, I actually can't physically train here like what what can you help me and they just turned around and said you're always going to play with pain and restriction so it's a case of actually having to get through this or deal with this or you can take these tablets which might take the edge off the pain so I was like but in a way doesn't that just prolong an injury further because you're just numbing the pain but you're also still doing extreme damage because the pain is there as a signal to say you know please stop yeah precisely it's not resolving the root cause of yeah. the pain and so yeah it was it was a crazy time because the physios and the doctors at the club then prescribed me anti-inflammatories painkillers and I'd never touched these as a kid you know sort of mm. been had been very clean in terms of you know didn't need any form of supplementation, et cetera. But I had them presented to me and it was like, okay, well, if this is going to take the edge of the pain, then brilliant. You know, I'm going to take them and I'm going to fight through this and keep trying to get to a place where I can actually play without pain and restriction. So I ended up popping these painkillers like Smarties and these anti-inflammatories. So I was having, you know, two, three, four of these a day. And you're 18 at this point. 17. 17. Yeah, yeah 17, point. just turned 17. And after about 10 days of using them where they had taken the edge off the pain, but I still was really restricted, particularly afterwards, you know, after a session, I couldn't move, you know, I would struggle to walk up the stairs, but it took the edge off the pain. And it, and after 10 days of taking them, I remember literally going to the toilet one afternoon and I just urinated blood. You know, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh, so I then called the physio at the time. I was like, what, what's going on? He, he said, okay, look, one of the side effects of this medication is, you know, uh, is that. And then I was like, okay, well, I've been feeling nauseous. I've been having headaches. I've been, I haven't been able to sleep the last few days. And then he was like, yep, these are also side effects. So, so in one way it's helping your performance by numbing the pain, but in another way you're not sleeping, which you know is massively linked to high performance. You're feeling sick, probably not eating the right foods because when you're feeling nauseous, you have different taste buds and a lot of things you're not customized to want to eat so it's like a double-edged sword really mm -hmm. yeah and and so I was between a rock and a hard place and ultimately it got to a place where I was like well I can't take these I'd spoken to my dad told my dad everything and it was like I have to stop taking these but then I'm still trying to have a career in professional football without pain and restriction so I remember I just finished a game I hadn't taken any anti-inflammatories or, or of the painkillers. I'd only been able to last about 20 minutes in the game, had to come off. I remember my dad had taken me to the game, dropped me back at mine. And I remember trying to go and walk up the stairs and I literally physically couldn't. 
times. And I remember breaking down on the stairs in tears. And I just said to my dad, there must be a, a solution to this. There must be a way that I can actually recover naturally from the pain and the swelling in my knee. And so it was at that point where we then just decided to go on a research binge. And we just began looking into all different types of alternative health uh, solutions, whether it was Ayurvedic medicine, whether it was Eastern Asian practice, you know, looking at all different cultures over the last, you know, century and before of mm. how people maintain their health and reduced pain, reduced inflammation, and, you know, gave ultimately uh, health through natural nutrition mm. and key ingredients began to pop up. So those ingredients were things like pineapple, things like ginger, things like watermelon, things like pomegranate, and then subsequently turmeric. You know, I maybe had a bit of pineapple. This was, again, this was like over 15 years ago. And so none of these ingredients were familiar or part of my, you know, nutritional regimen. And it was like, okay, well. What was your diet like back then? So as a young uh, aspiring professional sportsman, my diet consisted of plain pasta, plain chicken and baked beans. And that was all I would eat, literally, you know, wow. morning, lunch and dinner. And that was what we were told to eat. You know, really? From like a dietitian? From a dietitian. That was what we were told to eat. So high carbs, high protein. So that was it. You don't, you can, or you can't, you don't need to have a salad. And it's mm. like, okay. So that was how we were educated from a nutritional perspective. So fundamentally I was in a nutrient deficit mm. constantly, mm -hmm. you know, and, and actually now it's only now where I look and see that actually the majority of people actually live within that today. Mm -hmm. And not only as a young professional sportsman or just generally through society with nutrient deficit mm. massively. And mm. so all of these natural ingredients, we were able to identify and establish that they helped support some form of pain reduction, some form of inflammation reduction, some form of, you know, antioxidant support, which then helped, you know, allowed the body to function in a, a more cohesive manner to help resolve the pain and inflammation and ailment I was experiencing. It's interesting because here as you're talking about it, and it's something that I find is sadly the wrong way around in our healthcare is that you're looking at preventative. So you're looking at things that can enhance, optimize, help, as opposed to once you have something, how can we actually medicate you to kind of be okay? And as many people do when they get to this point within their own health and they become quite vulnerable and they're needing some kind of answers and they go off and do their own research, so many times it turns to actually all of these things can enhance your health. But sadly, it's just not available through conversations in our healthcare system in the Western society, more so in the Eastern. And you mentioned a few kind of Ayurvedic Eastern philosophies, but was that kind of an aha moment? Did you at one point just go, gosh, I wish I knew this two years ago when I had that first injury? Yeah. Seeing that there were other alternatives was good. And mm. it was, you know, sort of a, a glimmer of light in a very dark tunnel, but it was like, from that point, how do we get from there to actually making a difference? And mm. so it was great to begin to sort of read these studies and these papers. And I remember we went to the public library and found a booklet on herbs and spices, but actually the therapeutic uses of these. Mm. And it was insane. It was blowing our minds of reading it. And it was from that moment where we began, as I said, pulling all of these ingredients. And it was always Back then, you know, the, the information that we were reading, it was always in its raw, natural format. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a compromised or a processed raw ingredient into a powder or into a capsule. It was no, the raw root mm -hmm. or the raw flesh. And that was something that obviously stuck with us and we interpreted from the information that we were able to gather. So my father then began sourcing these natural ingredients. So all of these raw ingredients he was pulling together and trying to get into a place where, okay, we had them all together. And I remember it was like a Tuesday afternoon and he had managed to find all of these raw ingredients. So raw watermelon, raw pineapple, raw ginger, raw pomegranate, raw turmeric, raw lemon. Obviously lemon's not hard to find, but all on the same place, but also black pepper, oil, you know, fat soluble oil in, in Flaxel. And so they all sat, sat on the table and I just remember thinking, what am I going to do with that? Like, <laughs> I think uh, you're gonna... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you're like, we've got it, yeah. but what's the next step? Yeah, what's the next step? So it's like, how do I actually cons consume that? It's, it's impossible. So my father 
who originated from Nigeria, came to London as a teenager to study law. His father died in the Biafran War, but he would tell stories of him remembering his father curing people in their village with various different ailments. And so his father was actually a herbalist in Nigeria. But again, it wasn't anything ever that we spoke about, but only now, you know, in hindsight, can I see the, you know, the synergies and the actual mm. where my, my dad obviously got this inspiration from. So unfortunately, my father's father passed away when my dad was only 10 in the Biafran War. But my dad still, as I said, has, has these memories and he tells us these stories. And so mm. my dad was used that inspiration. Clearly, he didn't say it at the time, but he was clearly using that inspiration where he was pulling these raw ingredients together into then a blend and a consumable format for me. And where I was quite fussy as a teenager with food, with nutrition, I wasn't going to take anything which I couldn't take comfortably and wasn't, didn't taste nice. You know, Mm. I would just, I was pretty fussy. So I remember the first few iterations that my father did, I remember taking a sip and it was like, no, I I can't take that. I'm not going to be able to have that. So So he blended it into like a smoothie or juice. No. So it was like an extraction process. So he was like crushing the the roots, mixing them at key times. And again, it's only now looking back with what we've obviously done to date, where I realized how unique this is and how Mm. no one's doing it like that. They put it through, like you said, a blender, they Mm. put it through, but a blender is super high pressure, generates heat. So it was a completely unique extraction process which my father was doing but it was the blend of the ingredients that was key so it's not fundamentally turmeric it's not fundamentally ginger it was the blend of all of these key ingredients which ultimately made that elixir and so i remember the first time we had got to the finished blend it was in a small glass um, shot and i took it and it completely knocked my socks off it was so potent but i knew it just tasted right. It just Mm. tasted, you know, so potent, so strong, so nutritious. And as I said, where I had a massive nutrient deficit, it really had a big impact the first few days of taking this, you know, two, three times a day, where in just terms of energy, the pain in my knee was still there, the inflammation was still there. But it was like, there's nothing else to do. There was no other route. So we just stuck with it. And so every three or four days, my father would create this batch and of these small little golden elixirs. And I would take two, three, four of them sometimes a day in and around training. And then the first 10 days, I remember my energy was improved. First two weeks, I remember it not taking as long to recover. So normally my knee would balloon immediately after training and then take three or four days to actually settle down. That dropped to like a day, two days. So I was like, okay, this is working. So I was encouraged and I was like, yeah, make sure we keep yeah. bringing them. And it was around six weeks after the first time I'd had the product where I remember woke up, my usual routine was get out of bed, go into the bathroom and into the shower. And I remember turning on the shower and, and, and beginning to shower. And I realized that that was the first time in over two and a half years I had woken up without feeling pain or restriction in my knee. And this was six weeks Six after. weeks after consuming the obviously this golden elixir. Mm three or four times a day. And it was a light bulb moment for me because I didn't change anything else in my diet. And I'd actually stopped obviously taking the painkillers and the inflammation, which was taking the edge off the pain. And so from that moment on, I was able to get back to the level that I needed to be at in terms of training games. And Mm. that was simply through nutrition and everything up until that point I had been told wasn't possible now was possible simply through nutrition and a change in what I consumed on a consistent basis. And I remember it because they would scan my knee every four to six weeks and they used a specific scan which showed blood in the tendons and where there was blood, there was things like tendinopathy. So it it was like a, a bright, almost like on a radar and it was flashing red every single time for two and a half years. And following where I'd woken up without that pain and restriction and then began playing and training again, not having to go into the physio's room to say, oh, my knee sore. I remember them looking at me. I'd come in in the mornings, go straight into the gym, straight out onto the pitch, would come off, go back into the gym and go. And they were like, what's going on? Like they, they couldn't believe it. So they were like, oh, can we scan your knee? So I remember going, yep, yeah, yeah, no problem. I didn't tell them what I was doing. I didn't mm. tell them the change that I'd made. And I went- Really, why? 
because they it wasn't anything to do with them like we yeah. at that point it was almost like we'd been through so much where it was like well we're going on a different tangent to mm. get to that end result mm. we're not going to rely on you yeah so you know we we ultimately empowered ourselves through making that change and so they were like yeah come can we scan your knee and i was like yeah cool no problem how's it feeling yeah good okay yeah good, okay well, let's scan it so they began scanning it scans nothing nothing flashing up and they were like scan 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 and then i remember they got the previous scans they were like can we get the previous scans up quickly and they would obviously take screenshots of it so they got the screenshots bright flashing red on on my tendons on the one which had been done maybe two three months before now completely clear and they were like wow yeah literally so and i was just like well uh, it's brilliant it's good i feel good i feel good so and did they go what have you done they asked a question but i didn't really feel the need to tell them i was like well i'm just i, I need to get on i've missed two and a half years of what i wanted to do and mm. now i'm i've got an opportunity to get back to where i want to be and so as i said it was um a life-changing moment in a sense where from that moment on I've obviously used this golden elixir throughout my whole career, but within 12 months, I ended up making my first team debut, which again, as a kid with aspirations to become a footballer is massive. And why it's so big is, you know, there was a study recently where it's harder to become a professional footballer than it is to get into Oxford and Cambridge at any given time, simply because of the amount of professional footballers within the football league. You know, you take, for example, the Premier League, there's 20 teams, you know, mm -hmm. if there's 20 players in each team, it's 400 players. The Premier League is the best league in the world. So you're one of 400 players at that moment in time out of 2 billion people who grow up probably at some point really liking football and thinking, oh, I'd like to become a professional footballer. Mm -hmm. So it's so competitive and, and the uncertainty, as I said, I saw players who were far, far better than I was not make it and not come anywhere close to, to the first team. So as I said, 12 months following that life-changing experience, I made my first team debut. 12 months after that, I made my international debut for Wales. 12 months after that, I made my Premier League debut. And as I said, from that moment on, I used this golden elixir as my secret weapon throughout my whole career. And it allowed me to subsequently, you know, achieve what I wanted to achieve. And so my introduction of when I said, you are one of the biggest players and you played for the Premier League and you said, no, 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 I'm not going to say that. You basically are because <laughs> you are one of these 400 people that have yeah. made this. And you've also yeah. not had an easy journey to get there. You've had so many trials and tribulations to get to where you are, so many setbacks. And it's your strength and resilience and your empowerment and passion and purpose that has got you to these amazing career highlights. So just before we kind of go into the nutrition side a bit more, what is one of your biggest highlights of your career? I would say without doubt playing in the Premier League was my biggest highlight because I remember that was everyone watched match of the day mm -hmm. as a kid and, you know, the match of the day music coming on and it was always on the Premier League. It wasn't anything else. So to have made that a reality was, you know, a surreal moment, a very unique moment, but then one which once I'd done it was like, yeah, that was all of the hard work. That was the, you know, trials and tribulations. Yeah, I would say that was my career highlight. I've obviously fortunate enough to have played, as I said, in massive games, you know, massive tournaments in the top league against the best players in the world, you know, the likes of Ronaldo, all of these guys where everyone, you know, is they're, they're just on a different stratosphere, but to have been on the same pitch competing with them, mm -hmm. given my journey to actually get there was a very unique experience. So for me personally, there's not one moment, even though I've had incredible single moments, you know, like scoring majorly important goals in European tournaments, scoring in the Premier League, scoring against, you know, the, the top teams in the world. I remember when I scored against Arsenal, uh, you know, and we beat them in the Premier League with West Bromwich Albion. And it was almost like, of course, these are incredible moments, but actually that first Premier League appearance was, mm. you know, something that for me, I'll, I'll never forget. Life is better with exercise. I can definitely verify that comment. You feel better, your endorphins increase, 
and it helps to manage stress and anxiety. I really do believe that exercise is one of the key pillars of our health. Since working from home more, I have really got into my home workouts and spin was one of the things that I missed terribly. So today I'm really happy to share our sponsors are Apex Rides, the British smart bike built to give you that studio experience in your own home. It's called a smart bike because the bike itself connects to an app on your phone or tablet so you can see your live workout stats while doing one of Apex's live or on-demand classes. Being connected also means you can ride with others across the country in real time. And although Apex's live leaderboard feature, any workout is gamified as you set out to collect as many Apex points as possible during the workout. On the app, there are loads of different workout options whether it's their metric bike classes, which are more stats focused, or their move rides, which are described as a party on the bike. There are also Pilates classes, floor-based strength series, and a mobility program focused all on stretching. These are all led by one of Apex's 12 instructors who have been hand-picked due to their easygoing nature, expert credentials, and their unique ability to make exercise fun. Something that runs through every Apex workout. So if you're looking for an exceptional workout that isn't going to cost a fortune, check out Apex Rides. The bike is now only 599 pounds. So head to www.apexrides.com to find out more. So obviously when you made this elixir, did you change your nutrition in any other way when you were playing or did you keep on with the pasta and the baked beans mm -hmm. and the lean chicken? Because as a nutritionist, I find it so interesting that you are in a high performance industry. You should really have the best experts around you because as you said, it's so elite, your energy, your endurance, your mental capacity to get you on that pitch to compete, the resilience. There are so many different factors to optimizing your performance and being the best you can be. Surely in my mind, I'm thinking, well, they've got the best experts around them, talking to them about their sleep, which we know is fundamental to performance, talking to them about all the important areas of nutrition and their diet to really optimize it. But just from your journey and your personal journey, you've done that yourself, but it doesn't sound like you were surrounded by a team who really elevated that. I think it's also a reflection of society and the development and the exchange of information. You know, now we live in the information age and 15 years ago, we were beginning to get into it, you know, but actually the structures and the information wasn't what it is today and ultimately is continually developing too. Mm -hmm. So it's not something where I look back and I'm like, oh, I should have been there. It just simply, it simply wasn't. And it's not the fault of those in the positions where they should maybe be giving the advice, you know, whether it was the nutritionist at the time advising that you should eat, you know, pasta and baked beans, you know, as a staple part, of course it's good, but actually where's the functional ingredients, where's the nutrients, you know, where's the compounds, which are actually playing different fundamental properties when consumed. And so looking back, I remember as a 15 year old, you know, picking up magazines and seeing, you know, weight loss, eat a bowl of pasta. Like I've got memories of that. So actually we all know now actually mm. carbohydrates, you know, move, turn into sugar. And actually, if you're looking for weight loss, it's probably one of the things you want to cut back on to a degree, mm -hmm. but obviously not remove that entirely. So I think it's just the fact that although there are a lot of experts and a lot of people within the field who are advising, whether it's in elite sports or everyday people's nutrition, there's still a fundamental massive gap of knowledge. And that's just a reflection of where we are in terms of understanding the human body mm -hmm. and understanding actually how does nutrition fundamentally play a role in health and well-being? How does your thoughts and your mind and the psychology and your approach and the emotions that you feel impact the cells in your body, mm -hmm. right? It's like, well, they've confirmed stress increases levels of cortisol in the body. 
So what does that mean? Well, actually, so you're telling me just the way that you're thinking is creating a biochemical change in your body. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, when you look at the level of information or the advice currently available to everyday people in the world, it's not quite at that level. You know, it's not spoken about on the news. It's not spoken about on key formats or resources that we consume, whether it be social media, et cetera, there's snippets of it and there's discussions about it, but there's no true understanding of how do I change my life from a nutritional psychological perspective. Mm -hmm. And so for me, 15 years ago, actually the experience that I have is the fundamental driver. That's actually what informs me. Mm -hmm. So if I have changed my life through nutrition, through key fundamental changes in my diet, if I've changed my life through key fundamental changes in the way that I think and the way that I feel and mm. interpret events, you know, whether good or bad in my life, and that has a change in my life, then that's knowledge. Mm -hmm. Not what someone tells me I should be feeling or how my body should behave or react. So I think we're still in that place where actually the experience of what happens is more significant than what we're told should or shouldn't happen, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I think for me, nutrition is so personalized to each individual to what one person might need and to what somebody else might need. And we're going to go into this with the turmeric as well and explore the, the advantages and the benefits and the ones it can do. But also it might not be for everybody. You know, there's obviously individual needs for each person. But for you, how do you approach your diet, but also your lifestyle now? How do you kind of take control of that and optimize it? What's kind of your key approaches? Yeah, I think, as I said, I think do things that make you feel good. Mm -hmm. Is going to McDonald's every day of the week going to make me feel good? Yeah, it might give me that initial hit, you know, whether it's the dopamine response, whether it's the initial hit of sugar, mm. you know, the satisfaction of the processed food hitting my mouth, the salt, you know, being addictive, you know, we all know these things. But in six months, how am I going to feel? Mm -hmm. In a year, how am I going to feel? So I think it's like actually doing things that will make you feel good, not only in the short term, but also in the long term. Mm -hmm. So whether that's, you know, clean nutrition, clean eating, again, you don't have to be a disciple and be regimen and actually not like have fun, like have a drink, mm -hmm. have a glass of wine, have, mm -hmm. you know, enjoy yourself, but actually do things in moderation and actually do things that are going to sustain you for the long term. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting concept as well, because when you look at whether it's the healthcare industry, the medicinal industry, wh whatever it is, or where, when you look at clinical studies, they're never about how do you prolong life? Longevity. Yeah. How do you actually live a healthier lifestyle? How do you live a healthier, happier life? love to see a study on that. It's always about how do you cure, treat. It makes you think and makes you wonder like, well, what does that actually look like? What does longevity look like? What does ultimate health and happiness look like? Mm -hmm. And it's not what we sort of see. And it's not what the research says. The research says, okay, if you have an ailment, do this. If you, okay, this is the side effect here. This is the, it's a different concept. And one where I think, again, as I said, it's your fundamental driver. So what makes you feel happy, but actually what is going to make you feel happy in the long term? So I think that's, for me, it's like, that's how I sort of approach it. I think it's a really good point and, and something I'll, I'll put in there, maybe a slight tangent, but, you know, we're going to go on to looking at turmeric. And when I was researching, when I look at studies, I always look at something called meta-analysis or systematic reviews, which is kind of like the hierarchy of research. So they kind of bring all the different case studies, random control trials together, and then look at them objectively. And it was all looking at things like metabolic syndrome, inflammatory conditions, pain, not really any in healthy people. So they're obviously all looking, as you said, to help reverse effects of, of pain management and things like that. But when I was looking at series seven of my podcast, Live Well, Be Well, I was interested in this story of longevity. And I came across, I think it's one of the, it's in the top 10, if it's not the number one, most listened to TED Talk of all time. And it was a researcher and he actually found the philosophy of longevity 
was just pure happiness, which came down to community and relationships. But we do always kind of just pigeonhole topics. So nutrition is one, maybe sleep's another, maybe exercise is another. But actually, when you look at overall happiness and satisfaction, yes, they include these areas. But fundamentally, what this researcher found from, I think he studied people for around 70 years, post-World War II, from people who were at Harvard University, that he said the biggest thing that he found of longevity was happiness from sustained relationships. And I found that really interesting, is that we always try to pull out specific things, such as, you know, as we're mentioning today, but actually the overall side of it is what you've said, is actually comes down to you and what increases that happiness, what kind of prolongs that, what gives you life and energy every day. And I think that's something that sometimes we can bypass and miss. Yeah, 100% is, it's fascinating. And it's the approach to that. And it's such a shift away from society. Mm. We live in the information age, you know, the, mm. the digital age, the exchange of information now mm. is instant. Everything is on demand, instantaneous, you know, mm. whether it's your Amazon order, we're going to be ordering Amazon parcels, and you're going to get it the same day, I know, that's everywhere in, you know, in the world at some point. Yeah. And so that conditioning to immediate gratification is not part of our makeup as a species. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite of what we're, like you said, long-term, the longevity, having sustained relationships, sustained, well, how do you have a sustained relationship now on social media? You post something and immediately it's like, likes, not likes, comparison. You know, everything oh, yeah. is compared, whether it's you're comparing it to your previous post or comparing it to someone else's post in the same vertical. So that infrastructure for me isn't sustainable for mm. longevity, consistency, and ultimately a long-term healthy lifestyle and healthy philosophy in terms of the thoughts and the Mental. feelings and the emotions that we feel. So although, again, it's a massive privilege to be in this generation, mm. there are elements of it that we need to be conscious of and we need to actually make sure that it allows us to continually improve whether it's the relationships of one another the the stability of families you know the ability to actually pass on generational systems and cultures and that's that's really important it's part mm. of our makeup as a civilization and we need to make sure that that's not lost due to the fad and everything instantaneous lifestyle that we're beginning to become accustomed to mm. and actually looking at future generations you you want to protect them to a degree because it's a very different world that we live in now to you know 50 and 100 years a mm. better world but also a world where from a psychological perspective and from a physiological perspective there are a lot of risks at, at play you know you don't drive around now and at every service station you see you know a nutritious healthy food options you see fast mm. food processed food and that's mm. what we're conditioning our children to see mm. and then we accept that the branding and the marketing aligned with that is about happiness and about family yeah well actually no that's the destroyer of happiness that's the destroyer of fa family mm. because we live in a world today where there's never been more dis-ease there's never been more obesity in the world that there is today mm -hmm. well why is that it's because we're conditioning and we're accepting that you know fast food chains dictate the emotional footprint of the next generation and what i mean by that is mcdonald's is the key sponsor for one of the biggest sports events in the world i know you know it's so little things so like that sad. and it's like no like mcdonald's brilliant like excellent like it's okay to have processed foods every once in a while but it's a treat you can't mm. have that as a staple part of your nutrition but mm -hmm. that is what a lot of people a lot of families do and they're not because it's quick and it's cheap and it's accessible and it's a big thing that i talk about a lot actually with obesogenic environments which is something that you're talking very heavily about and rightly about because we always think we have this idea of choice but actually we don't have choices because the most deprived areas which also have the highest rates of obesity have the most densely populated obesogenic food environments. So they're the ones that have more McDonald's, more fast food chicken shops around the corner, you know, four chicken nuggets for 99p, 
why would you then make a choice to go out of your way to try and find wholesome produce when it's there and it's accessible and you're stressed and you've got three children to look after? So when we actually do talk about choice, the choice in these areas is so limited that actually two-thirds of our supermarkets are full of processed foods. Mm -hmm. So coming in and trying to make that awareness of, well, which food choice do I go for? Well, the one that's most on offer to you is, is the one that actually is the most harmful to you long term. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the stressful part because the guilt and the shame that can go with any parent, it's so high for them. But again, it's price, it's accessibility, it's quickness. And so it can be so hard in those moments to make those choices. Yeah. I think the concerning thing for me around that was that when you actually have what you see or interpret as good choices, they're actually not that. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is fundamentally that's why the Turmeric Co. was launched because actually when I was, so 26, so 2016, up until this point, my father had created batches of this elixir every single week for just shy of a decade. So we had ruined dozens upon dozens of mixers, dozens upon utensils, you know, everything was stained in the kitchen because of obviously the turmeric, the ginger, the, the, the roots that we were using. And so in 2016, I was in a retail store and I saw a turmeric shot on the shelf. And up until this point now, not only had it changed my life, but consistently allowed me to perform at a high level. And what mm -hmm. I meant by that, I was recovering quicker than my teammates. I wouldn't get run down in flu season. You know, I think I went for seven years without picking up a cold. And then- Any the, of them like, what were you doing? Yeah, yeah, what are they doing? <laughs> but then I was, at this point, we were giving them to my teammates. So my teammates were using them. Oh, wow. Experiencing similar benefits. So when they had an injury, when they needed to recover quicker. And so then also our family were using them. So we're giving them to our extended family. If they'd had, you know, a bit of back pain, if they were really run down, and they were all reporting really beneficial health improvements. So not only from pain and injury, immunity, energy, recovery. So it was like, okay, cool. So we, it's nice, it's brilliant, you know, but actually we don't really want to be making this for the rest of our lives. You know, that well, it was, sounds like your dad's full-time job of doing it for all your teammates. Literally, yeah, yeah. Family. So he was probably making, you know, sort of at this point, maybe a hundred of these sort of small little shots a, a week. Wow and being distributed not only for me, teammates, family, and friends. And so it was in 2016 when I was in a retail store, saw a turmeric shot on a shelf. And I was like, amazing, finally, finally someone's realized the importance of this raw ingredient. But were you also like, God, I wish that was me. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Because of how stressful it was trying to like, have these batches all of the time yeah it was a relief we didn't want to be making this you know my dad didn't want to be making this every single day every single you know week mm -hmm. and actually then distributing them getting bugged by sort of teammates oh can I have some more of this can I have some you know family and friends That's so a drug dealer <laughs> yeah a, nu a nutritional dealer yeah yeah definitely a nutritional dealer and and actually seeing it on the shelf it was like amazing finally so I remember I bought the whole shelf I think it was like 40 of these shots, turmeric shots. That's how, because I was like, that's, this is life-changing stuff. So now that's there, like, I'm going to come back tomorrow and the next day and make sure that this is always stocked in my fridge. That and, company must have been like, there's one area in London that yeah. just flies off yeah, the shelves. Yeah, yeah, their rate of sale, <laughs> their rate of sale for that single day went through the roof. <laughs> and so I remember taking it home to my dad, really excited, like a little kid in a candy store dad look, look 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 what's on finally like how good is that and i remember we went and we both drank it at the same time and we literally spat it out ran to the sink spat it out what the heck was that and i remember it was so inferior to what we were producing at home and again it was like how is that even possible and it was only when we spun the bottle that we actually looked at the ingredients i interpreted it turmeric shot. I interpreted it as a functional, high quality, raw root, fully bioavailable format, only using other key ingredients to support the benefits that turmeric can offer. Turn the bottle. It's like mostly apple juice. Apple juice. Yeah. I was like, apple juice? I was like, apple juice? I was like, what? And then turmeric powder. I was like, what? Powder? That's a spice. That's not, a, that's not the format that you need to consume it in. You know, that's a compromised format. You know, it's mm. like, no, you need to have it in its raw, 
raw format, no other bioavailable ingredients. And it was like, oh, wow. So this isn't a turmeric shot. This is an apple juice shot. Mm-hmm. So again, which they, many are like that high in course, sugar as well, high in sugar. And it wasn't, and it was like apple juice. It's not even apples. It's apple juice. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is like juice. So you're, this company is actually buying apple juice, putting that into a shot bottle, mixing it with turmeric powder or turmeric juice, and then selling it as a turmeric shot. And so completely blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, because fundamentally people picking up a functional shot, they're picking up for purpose. They want Mm. a benefit from it. Mm. Even if it's not a medicinally approved benefit, we all know as you know, the famous saying from Hippocrates, let food be thy medicine and let medicine be thy food. Mm. What you put into your body ultimately dictates your health. Mm. You cannot deny that. Mm. So people wanting to pick up this functional shot are actually picking up apple juice Mm. or orange juice or water, filtered water. Similar to oat milks and almond milks and so many other shots out there. They are, you know, 1% almond. Mm-hmm. The rest is everything else, like water or, yeah. you know, it's so yeah. minimal in the yeah. ingredients. And a good thing to say there, just because you're talking about it, whenever you look at the back of any ingredient label, because this is the things that people don't know, the first three ingredients are the key ingredients in the in the, in the highest form. Mm-hmm. So even if it does say turmeric shot, it might be the last in the menu mm-hmm. and it might have 0.01% of it, but they can still legally say it mm-hmm. because it's within the within the product. Yeah, precisely. And so it was actually that fact where you know this product was being marketed as a functional shot but actually Mm -hmm. was just apple juice and a cheap apple juice at that Mm. and an expensive one you know I was gonna say it's probably about four pounds yeah it was expensive and so that's my point so actually the options the functional beneficial consumer packaged goods options available to consumers for the most part actually aren't even what they say they are in in the first place. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about the options and the fact that, you know, processed food is ultimately the quickest solution for a lot of people through their nutrition, well, even if they were to veer and try and consume a wholesome, nutritional, functional diet Mm. through these consumer packaged goods, unfortunately, the majority of them are owned by large organizations who only care about their bottom line. They're not fundamentally focused about the impact the product is going to have on their lives. They're focused about their margins. They're not focused on the customer. Mm. And so again, we then looked into the market, looked into the research, looked at turmeric shots, ginger shots, all of them, apple juice, orange juice, water, turmeric capsules, turmeric powders. Hold on. Like you're never going to, you don't powder a a steak. You don't powder a salad. And then Mm. like, why, why are you going to, you're compromising the nutritional functional properties. And actually more importantly, you're changing the way these compounds interact with one another and interact with your body. Mm -hmm. So looking at the market, we realized that, wow, there are people in need here. There are people trying to consume, like we said, deviate away from that processed food culture and look at functional natural products, Mm. but they're clearly not being serviced or served Mm. the product that they're thinking that they're getting Mm -hmm. when they make these healthy choices. So we then had to go on a massive deep dive into understanding, you know, how can we position ourselves in a very saturated market Mm. of inferior products, which were, as I said, saying that they were doing something, saying that they were offering something when actually they weren't. Mm. Well, it's very hard to actually do that when you're sat on shelf. Mm -hmm okay, there's two bottles there. What's the story of that one? What's the story of that one? More importantly, what is the quality of that product versus the quality of that product? Well, let's get down to that because it's the bioavailability. It's like I want to talk about because there is an active component within turmeric, the property that actually has the anti-inflammatory property we're going to talk about, curcumin. But if you add black pepper, it increases the bioavailability by up to Mm 2,000%. So do you remember looking at these products back in the day did they have black pepper in our so one yeah yeah of your course ones do. yeah yeah yeah, but yeah the ones that you took back in 2000 oh, whenever way. it was had apple juice and this is the thing yeah. all of these benefits that they're expressing they can't be available they're not 
succinct to the body mm -hmm. unless they have this compound mm -hmm. to help the bioavailability. Mm -hmm. It's the same with many other aspects of food, which is why, as you said, in the raw form, they work in synergy, which means they all work together in the body and they all play their role as different sig signal molecules. Whereas if you take parts that away, it doesn't enhance the product mm -hmm. as to what they're saying on the packaging. Yours does. Mm -hmm. But how did you define that when you were coming to the table and giving this information out to consumers? Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting question and an important one as well, because it's like, how do you actually communicate the difference in this tiny little shot when there are dozens of other tiny little shots proposing and positioning themselves in the same way? Mm. The big thing about what we do is, as I said, it was born out of function. Mm -hmm. So we were told, as I said, by the manufacturers, this product is too expensive to market. You cannot sell this product. You cannot make this product in a cost-effective way where we're on the same price point or within the same price bracket as the other products on the market, which mm. again are using cheap fillers, apple juice. You can buy apple juice, you know, 10 kilograms for, you know, less than a pound. Mm. And that's what's in these products. Whereas what we're using, we, we're using whole crushed watermelon, mm. several ton a week raw turmeric organic roots, raw mm. ginger organic roots, whole pomegranates. You know, we're pulling the pomegranate seeds out and crushing them again. Same as pineapples, slicing these pineapples and watermelons. Launching in 2018, three to four years on, we've received over 10,000 positive customer reviews Amazing. of the product changing people's lives. And it's not changing people's lives directly because of the active compounds within the raw ingredients. It's changing people's lives also because we're driving lifestyle change. Mm. For you, like, where do you see the world of turmeric going? Do you feel that it's going to carry on and strengthening? Or do you feel that people will start understanding more about, as you keep saying, which I think is really important, the pure root format of how turmeric is given? Because I think one thing that I find disheartening as a nutritionist is that you have stores, I'm not going to specifically name that sell just supplements and you have people that aren't as aware of each individual products on that shelf so they're advising customers that are coming in and they don't have the level of research that you or I might have so these consumers are coming in trying to navigate for them what's best for them to take and as you very clearly kind of stated today there is really only specific formats that could really work for certain people when they're in the highest form and there's many competing products. So following that, what is next for turmeric? Because I guess there's many shops today that you can go in and buy a host of different supplements, drinks, things for health benefits. And for many people, it can be a complete minefield. Even as a nutritionist, sometimes I feel like it's a minefield. So what are the key things that somebody needs to look out for for these health benefits? And how do you see that world evolving going forward? Yeah, again, really good question. I think Ultimately, it stems down to being informed. So like you said on the previous point, you know, a lot of people making consumer decisions are ill-informed. And that's not their fault. It's just the information that the resources that they've had access to at any given time. So for us as a business and as a brand delivering a real high quality product, which we're obviously all very passionate about and which is changing people's lives through natural nutrition, we want to create knowledge. We want to offer knowledge to our customer base, to our community, to our advocacies, and allow that to snowball and develop and have topics and discussions on how natural nutrition changes in lifestyle. Like I said, for us, that's all linked to the turmeric shop. We're so passionate about that. That's what we uh, fundamentally see. So it's not, as I said, directly, solely related to nutrition. Mm. It's actually that change and that development and that progression facilitated through a turmeric shot and the impact that that has not only from a nutritional perspective but also from habit forming perspective mm -hmm. the way that you think the way that you feel the way that you interpret yourself like i said do things that make you feel good mm -hmm. our customers feel good mm -hmm. when they have a shot first in the morning they're feeling good because it's the decisions that they make mm -hmm. the choices that they make and so for us we want to continue to build knowledge, build information, build awareness around how you can improve and make decisions to positively impact your life. Because 
when you make those decisions, not only do they impact your life, they impact the lives of those around you. Mm. They impact your children's, the generations to come, your spouse, you know, your family, your brother, your sister, whatever it is, your mum and your dad. So it's like, how can we continually deliver that and ultimately change people's lives? Mm. I think that's fantastic. And there's a, a final question that I'm going to ask you as well. And and just before that, just because I always like to add in for anyone who's listened to this and obviously is really inspired by the story and also turmeric. And this isn't obviously with your products, but if you're going to go off and take super high doses of turmeric, do just always be careful because it can, if you're anemic, not be the most beneficial for you because it can inhibit the synthesis there and low blood pressure. So I just say, you know, anyone taking hugely, extremely high doses, which is not in what Thomas is talking about with his products, but I always find it really important just to relay that information as a bit of a devil's advocate there. Again, there is no very high dangerous levels. The FDA have generally recognized it as safe and tolerable for most people from scientific studies, even at doses at 4,000 and 8,000 milligrams a day. But there is still a caveat that we don't recommend it for people with anemia because it can inhibit a protein in the synthesis of iron production. And people that have extremely low blood pressure, again, it can also reduce your blood pressure. So anyone with high blood pressure it could be very beneficial, but again, very low blood pressure, it can also then cause a few um, health effects there. So I always just like to say, if you are concerned, do go and see a nutritionist or a dietitian. And I will link all of that into the show notes of studies. But lastly, Thomas, I always love to ask every guest who's on this show the final question. And I'm, I feel like I might know what your answer could be to this. But what does live well, be well mean to you? It's really great. I love, obviously love what you're doing. That's why I'm delighted to obviously be here today. But I think in terms of our mission with the Turmeric Co is to change people's lives through positivity, you know, through positive, conscious choices, decisions that they make. And I think live well, be well, it allows the thought to spring, mm -hmm. right? So it allows you to, you're allowing people and individuals who listen to that knowledge to begin to think about how they can impact the thoughts that they have. Mm -hmm. So it's quite an interesting concept, you know, begin thinking about what you're thinking about. And I think for me, you know, what you're doing, that that's exactly what, what is achieved. And so, Delighted to be here. Thank you, obviously, so much for, for having me and um, a pleasure being on the show. Thank you so much. I'm super inspired by your story. I hope your dad has huge shares in the Turn Wrecking Co. from all of his hard work over <laughs> the beginning of the elixirs. Can't wait to see what's next for you as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Live Well, Be Well. All the information covered in today's podcast with important links is in today's show notes. And if you haven't yet, please do hit the subscribe button and do share this with friends, family, co-workers, whoever you love, please share this podcast. It means more than you realize. And until next week, I hope you all live well and be well. Before you go, I have something new to tell you about. There's brand new bonus content waiting for you with every new guest I speak to. These are exclusively for my inner circle of Apple subscribers. To listen now, head to the Live Well, Be Well show page on Apple Podcasts, where you can activate your free trial and you can enjoy the podcast without adverts.